Hello and welcome. This is Jason, and you're listening to the Real Heroes of E-Commerce podcast. These days, everyone seems to be talking about marketing and e-commerce, but few are talking to the people who matter most, the customers. This podcast flips the script. We sit down with regular people to talk about shopping online and what makes them buy. I hope it inspires ideas and strategies for your own marketing mix. In this episode, we will sit down with Rob and Kalen to talk about shopping for e-bikes. Rob bought an e-bike conversion kit from ebikeling.com, and Kalen goes with an up-and-coming brand named Juice. Okay, let's talk to the heroes. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Good, how are you? Not too bad. So, uh, Rob, thanks for uh, joining us for the podcast. No problem. So where are you calling in from today? I am from downstate Illinois, about uh, two or three hours south of Chicago. Nice. What do you do there? I work for university in the IT field. Okay, very cool. So we're talking about e-bikes. And you mentioned that you had been looking one for a while. (laughs) Yeah, uh, not for very long, actually. Um, I Not too long ago, long story short, my wife decided she wanted to try uh, one of the Jetson Bolt Pros. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that bike. It's uh, what I would describe as the cheapest e-bike available in America. You can <laughs> go to the cost. One, right? Yeah, it is. It's like a little electric clown bike, but it's very popular, not least of all because of its uh, its price. Right. And um, we got one for my wife and I, I had, you know, thought about getting an e-bike before. Um, I've had experience riding motorcycles, so I thought maybe that wouldn't be the most satisfactory experience, mm-hmm. but, you know, we got this bike for her and I tried it out and I was like, okay, I immediately see the benefit of, of doing this. And at the, the same time, it was pretty clear the Jetson wasn't going to work for my own needs. Um, it would probably require enough modification that by the time I, I did that, I might as well just buy a bike. So <laughs> that's what, that's what led me on the quest here. Okay. So what was that immediate benefit that you saw? Um, I'm, a, I'm a bigger guy. I'm, you know, pushing 50. I'm not in the greatest shape, but I also have a commute that is perfectly reasonable for me to do on a bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do it. Uh, I've, I've done it maybe two or three times. And at the same time, I do ride my bike pretty often for very short rides. Uh, yeah. I work in the middle of a university campus and I kind of, you know, it's, it's nice to have something to get to restaurants quickly you know because nothing's like a couple of blocks away we have lots of things but you know to get back and forth in half an hour before my next zoom meeting or whatever it's nice to have that ride option um so i keep a folding bike in my car and i also have to park a mile away from my office so the bike gets used but it's it's not um getting used i think in the way that most people would think of a, a bike commuter and i've always been kind of sad about that um I think if I flattened out some of the, the hills and things, which again are not severe by any means in my my neighborhood, but they're just enough that it keeps me from taking that that twenty minute trip because I know I'll get there. I've done it, but I always turn up a sweaty mess, and it just doesn't look very professional. Mm-hmm. And with the Jetson, it was very clear that I'm still getting exercise. I look ridiculous in this tiny little <laughs> clown bike. <laughs> clown bike. But I'm still getting exercise, but you know, I'm going to be a lot less worn out and that's going to cause me to, to ride the thing in more contexts. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I rode uh, like eight or 10 miles, which 
you know, for a bike, it's not much, but I haven't done that much riding in a long time. But I, on that little bike, I did eight or 10 miles in an hour oh, wow. um, and didn't really think anything of it. And I'm pedaling the whole time and helping it out. Um, but, you know, I, that's, that's kind of what really struck me. And I, I, I see this same story again and again and again. People who are like kind of skeptical of the e-bike concept or think that it's cheating or whatever. And then they go and try one and it's like, oh God, I got to have this like right away. And mm -hmm. they become hooked and, or they, they go and buy one just to experiment with it. And then they find they're using it to replace their car. It just seems like it's, it's happening a lot. Every form you go in into, and it is in, in a lot of cases, it's just, it's just older people who are, are fueling that, but not always there's, mm -hmm. there's younger writers too. Yeah. I see a lot of younger writers around my neighborhood. I actually yeah. saw one of those little Jetson guys. At the grocery store yesterday. Yeah, they kind of I, look ridiculous. <laughs> they they do, and I I at the same time I like little folding bikes anyway, so it's not that weird. It's just that it's on those tiny little wheels, and it's got that weird sort of curved uh, top tube. Yeah, yeah. It, it is it's just a weird looking little bike, and I I ran into somebody who had just modded it to to an extreme. They had uh, you know put like ground lights and all kinds of stuff on it and i was like this is really nuts like you've you've spent <laughs> hundreds of dollars just like totally tricking out this little electric clown bike but it's a really fun ride i mean I, I i think there's no denying that there's so many youtube videos on how to mod it and you know make it more powerful if you need that make the seat post more what you need if you need that mm -hmm. um it's very popular and and for its price i mean it's it can do something like i feel like it serves a role like if you if you had to have a first e-bike there's really nothing even close to that price point it's it's a worthy uh trial pretty much so what after that one what e-bikes were you looking at so what i determined was that again i i kind of wanted something that had a little bit more oomph to it um definitely had more of a seat post um because that is one problem with the jetson and again that's not a that's not a difficult thing to change out. Mm -hmm. um, but I just kind of also want some that didn't look quite as ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so since I'm pretty comfortable riding my other folding bike, which does have a full height seat post, and I've, I've, I have nothing but faith in that bike, I thought I'll look for another folding bike and, and that sort of genre. And I was looking at, um, you know, Electric makes an extremely popular series of folding bikes that are also at presently a pretty affordable price point they've got a bike starting at 800 and then really you get into like a thousand dollars and that is a bike that for its for its price point had a lot of the things i was looking for um stronger motor bigger battery um an actual <laughs> speedometer and things like mm -hmm. that right. um i so the big thing was more oomph and a little bit more space and i thought that bike would do it um, I also looked at the, the, uh, the Blix Vika plus, which is mm -hmm. about twice as much money, but it's a much more attractive. And I think, um, a bike that they've, they've put a little bit more attention into aesthetic details. Yeah. So I was looking at both of those. They're both 500 watt bikes, bigger batteries, and, um, you know, everything is turnkey and ready to go. Um, how did you, how did you find those two? So that was largely, um, <clears throat> You know, I, I figure everyone's kind of in the same boat these days. You you start with some, some form of web search on your search engine of choice or on YouTube or what have you. You may do a little forum browsing around. 
you know, I found you through the Reddit e-bikes forum. I'd spend a little time there. I'd been looking at uh, other forums and there are a ton of um, electric folding bikes. It's kind of funny that folding bikes have never been especially popular in the U.S. market, but it seems right. like most of the electric bikes in the lower market segments are, you know, these cheap Chinese folders um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But I just wanted something that was, you know, a little more reliable. And it, it seemed like I kept coming up again and again on the electric in particular. That seems to be an exceedingly popular bike. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else in, in a forum thread had mentioned the Blix lineup as a possible upgrade from that. And I, so I, I wanted to see what that represented. And yeah, that, that Vika Plus is beautiful. It's a gorgeous little bike. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Did you did you search out any other brands or did you just kind of stick to what you found in the forums? Uh, no, I mean, I was I was looking around. Um, I've been buying stuff online for like 30 years at this point, you know, and it's become a more disappointing experience, I think, trying to find products that um, are what I'm looking for. So it's, it's harder to find these things to the search engines. It seems like it's easier to find them by digging through forum threads for, for uh, lurking recommendations or things that keep coming up. Mm -hmm. I did look at a few other things, but uh, those are the, the two in particular that I kept getting either circled back to by repeating references or just kind of looking back at, okay, this really kind of meets what I think my needs are at this time. Mm -hmm. after, you, after you looked at the Blix website, did you get a bunch of ads <laughs> so I, um, I'm, I really, <laughs> I'm really, I, I live my life in a really different way. I think online than a lot of people do. I don't mm -hmm. touch Facebook with any computer I have. Um, I will only use it for mark marketplace. And when I need something from marketplace, I literally have a virtual machine that it only has ever accessed Facebook. I don't let it touch my phone. I, I, I really just stay away from that. I used to have more of a social media thing going on, but mm -hmm. the targeted ad thing creeps the heck out of me. And it's not that I feel like I'm, you know, being targeted any more than anybody else, but um, certainly, you know, you still see some of that with, with even just using a, a Google product. I'm, I'm using an Android phone, mm -hmm. um, although I'd like to switch to Linux too. Um, I haven't seen too much more, though, honestly, in the way of recommendations. That may be because of, again, my very crazy, um, uber paranoid computer setup. Most of my market research was being done on a machine that isn't connected to any of my personal profile stuff. And not even on a conscious level. Let's just like I have that one connected to the TV, you know, sitting on the couch, just looking at bikes. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, I haven't seen as much. Um, I, I've certainly spent plenty of time on my phone browsing forums and doing my shopping for the conversion kits and things like that. And I haven't really seen an uptick in that. But again, it just might be a difference in the way that I interact with social media. So in, in the end, you said you went with the, one of the conversion kits. Yes. <clears throat> so why did you choose that over the electric that you found so many good reviews about? It, it was complicated. Um, as you may be figuring it out, I'm kind of a picky consumer. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit. Um, weight was kind of an important factor because I did want the option of, you know, throwing this in and out of my hatchback like I do with my folding bike right now most of the time. Mm -hmm. That bike is about 25 pounds. The electric, looking in, the one I was looking at was about 60, 65 
Okay. And I'm a musician too. So I've, I've done my share of lugging, you know, 70 pound tube heads out of the back of cars to go play a gig or something like that. I'm getting a little old for that. I know I can do it, but it's just, I'd, I'd rather not do it every day. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of other people, which I'm pretty sure were younger people complaining about the same thing. They're like, yeah, it's a folding bike, but I don't know who would want to bring this in and out of their car. I think that's a problem with any electrified vehicle honestly you're going to have some weight just because of what it is but it seemed like the electric in particular really had a little bit too many pounds on it the vika i think we were looking at maybe 50 55 that feels a lot more doable even though it's only 10 pounds Mm -hmm. um and again the idea here is that i'll be actually riding the darn thing more as opposed to you know doing that mile long commute to my from my lot and then going out to lunch somewhere and coming back on it you know um so really the weight wouldn't matter for that but realistically i wanted something that if i want to go on a trip if i want to take my daughter somewhere and go ride with her or if i want to maybe take it on a, a trail or something I want it to be easy to get in and out of my out of my car and I don't have a bike rack that's part of the reason why I'm a folding person um so the electric was too heavy the Vika would be better but what also haunted me was okay this bike is two grand which is not very much for an e-bike at all Mm -hmm. um you're most of the bikes I've spotted three four five six uh not unusual um but I've most of the motorcycles I've owned, I've spent less than $2,000 for. <laughs> and I, I kept circling back to, okay, I was worried about theft with a 500 pound motorcycle. Um, if I'm parking this thing on a college campus and it's this attractive bike, mm-hmm. you know, how many locks am I going to have to put on this thing to not worry about it while I'm doing a work shift? And uh, yeah. so ultimately, what I decided was um, let's keep this, I, I still want quality components but I want to make this as unattractive to thieves as I possibly can. I think if a thief knows what they're looking for, and we don't really have a huge theft problem in our community, but I know that bike theft is a thing. Yeah. Um, certainly if a, a thief is, is hip to what's going on in e-bikes, they, they will see that this thing is electric. They may even look it up on their phone for all I know and make that split second decision of, oh, do I get my cordless angle grinder out and spend the, the three <laughs> minutes to get this thing free? Google shopping um, for thieves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, with motorcycles, people always used to say, it's just like, you, you're never going to make it completely theft proof. You just have to make it a little bit more difficult. You know, mm-hmm. whether that's putting a cover over your bike and putting it in an area where it's hard to, to wheel out or whatever. Um, and in the case of a, a bicycle, I just, I don't want to have to carry a whole bunch of stuff around. So I thought if I, if I modify the bike I've already got, which I know is low value to a thief, I've never had anybody mess with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll put that conversion stuff on it. We'll make it in such a way that I can remove it quickly. So I will also have control over how it's taken on and off the bike. Mm-hmm. And I can probably take all, almost all the guts except the hub motor with me <laughs> into my workplace. And then what thief is going to bother with it? It's, it's still worth like maybe a hundred bucks more than it was without that motor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most of what you're paying for is the battery. Right. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what governed my decision was just that fear of losing a $2,000 investment with no registration, no way to track it down. And that would, that would break my heart. So, yeah, that would be unfortunate. My yeah. bikes get stolen all the time. <laughs> they do. They do. All right. So, uh, 
You said you ordered it today? Yes. <laughs> I just got the notification that it shipped out. And since I'm the the company I ordered from is in Chicago, there's even some chance I'll have it tomorrow. They shipped it to FedEx. So um, I don't I, I I'm going to guess Monday or Tuesday, but I might get really lucky. Well, then you'll be you'll be on your wheels. I'll be in. I'll be spending my weekend in the garage. Uh, hopefully, not having to file a bunch of steel down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where all the cables are supposed to go. Nice. <clears throat> well, it sounds like you got a good choice then. I hope so. Yeah, that's that's the downside with the DIY thing is you don't really know what headaches you're going to run into until you get there. But I spent enough time researching this particular vendor and their kit. Was this a, just an online vendor or did they have like a local store in Chicago? Uh, I believe you can pick up their stuff from Chicago. I don't think they have like a showroom, but mm -hmm. they are pretty well known. Um, they're another name that like when you go into the DIY and the build forums on, on like e-bike reviews or Endless Sphere or Reddit, you're going to see them coming up quite often. What was the brand name again? E-Bikeling. E-Bikeling. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, doesn't sound like a company to be based in Chicago, but yeah, they apparently are. <laughs> so, and they sell a fairly limited number of products. So when you go in, you can buy um, a conversion kit, which includes everything except the battery. You can mm -hmm. add a couple of batteries onto that. And uh, I think I mentioned to you that I spent a long time sweating that battery. It's like, do I want to go a little cheaper or do I want to go with their products? Mm -hmm. But um, the battery is one of my biggest concerns because it's not only the most expensive part of the build, it's also the one that sort of determines the build's capabilities and the one that prevents the great or that actually poses the safety risk, right? Right. And I, I read a book last weekend by Micah Toll, who's the person who does e-bike reviews. He's written a number of books. One he's written is on building your own batteries. And oh. I read that book and... It really opened my eyes <laughs> to a lot of things about batteries. That was another thing that really kind of swayed me. It's like I, with these batteries that are coming with the turnkey bikes, even these fairly expensive products, you don't really know what's in them or how they were built or if anybody cared. Mm -hmm. And certain variables can really impact the safety of, of that battery. Um, I've had one or two fun indoor uh incidents with lithium batteries that weren't happy and uh thankfully the house didn't burn down that time um but i had one shoot almost through my ceiling at one point which was wild and you can find of course some fun youtube videos where things go wrong i think the tech is safe but it a lot depends on how it's built mm -hmm. so with this particular vendor um there was at least some anecdotal evidence suggesting that they maybe cared a little bit more about the, the batteries they were building and selling. Mm -hmm. And that was a factor to go ahead and spend that extra hundred dollars on, on their battery versus um, an Amazon special as it were. All right. So Rob and I go on to talk about batteries a little bit more and it's really interesting, but for the purpose of time, we're going to go to Kaylin's journey. You can listen to the rest of Rob's interview at the end of the show. What e-bike do you have? I got a Juiced Cross Current X. Okay. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a good commuter. 
relatively simple bike, um, large battery. So it's got a 52 volt, 20 ish amp hour battery. So a lot more range than a lot of the stuff in the similar price. It's um, direct to consumer brand. Uh, one that seems to have a lot of different bikes, a lot of range, but um, uh, kind of limited online profile, some ads, um, but kind of have to look into them. It seems to match a lot of the other stuff, but boosted a bit, but the bike's been great so far. Um, has been wonderful as a commuter. I've put like 140 miles on it in 10 or 11 days. Okay. Um, and uh, been loving it so far. Yeah, going to work, the gym, the store, mm-hmm. uh, little restaurants kind of thing. Just appointments. Usually if it's about 10 miles or less, I'll take that. Right. How, what's the actual range of the, the battery? Uh, advertised is 80 miles. Um, more realistically, that's, that's the way that. I've been writing, it's about 50 and I knew that going in. They're actually pretty right. detailed about, um, you know, the kind of writing you do, how that'll affect your range. So yeah. I knew I wasn't going to, to milk it all the way to 80 most of the time. Right. Um, so you said this, this brand isn't very well known. So how did you find out about it? Well, so it's, um, it's definitely not one of the mainstay brands. Uh, and I think you have to, it's easy enough to find if you look a little bit, but, um, like I, I started out by looking for bikes just on basic websites of best commuter options. And it definitely didn't pop up there. Um, but if you go to like Reddit or any sort of forum, usually it pops up as a good option. Um, one that's not super old or anything. And it's not an established bike brand very specifically for e-bikes. Um, so I think I heard about it first on Reddit as someone recommending it. And then um, ran into a couple ads after that, because you know how it is. You search for e-bikes and then you get a barrage. <laughs> um, so I went from there. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've gotten so many different brands come across my radar, um, just cause yeah. I was looking into a few, uh, like a month ago. Um, uh, there's quite a bit out there. Yeah. I think, uh, if you're in the direct to consumer world, it's, there's a huge, huge range. You could find a million different bikes. Yeah. I actually looked it up. There's over 300 brands. Are there really? Yeah. yeah that makes sense. <laughs> so what about this one besides the the reddit recommendation what attracted you to want to like actually look into it further yeah so um the main thing was for my needs i wanted to be able to do 40 miles um without having to worry about charge mm-hmm. uh, and that was going to be kind of a tall order in my price range so i was trying to stand or about 2500 bucks and um, a lot of the more established brands I was looking at, if you want 50 miles or so, 40 to 50 miles, you're looking 3,500, four grand or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the smaller brands, the things that I could afford, most of them, while maybe having some nicer components in certain areas, they uh, just didn't have the range I was looking for. I have a lot of days where I go to work, come home, go to the gym, come home, and that's 40 miles. And I just, right. I don't want to get something that I don't feel like I can do that uncomfortably. So um so I kind of came back to it and looked more into the bike itself. And that's what got me to dig deeper and actually start to consider buying it. Mm-hmm. What were the, when you're talking about the other components that you were looking at, mm-hmm. what was important on those aspects? So I wanted to make sure I get a reliable and known bike, like the derailleur, the brakes, um, even just having something like a nice seat where it looks like they put in a little bit of thought and effort there. Mm-hmm. Um, good integrated lights, things like that, uh, that would make my life easier and make it a more reliable experience. I, um, I wanted to at least be getting something 
mid-range, decent level instead of um, absolute junk and just a good battery and motor. Right. Cool. Um, what else was I going to ask? So did you get a lot of like, um, so you got it, you said about two weeks ago, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And did you have to assemble it? I did. Yeah. I came in one big box, mostly assembled, but I had to put a few things together. Pretty, pretty simple though. It wasn't hard. It took about a half hour. Um, some stuff got a little bent. So maybe it took like an hour with a half of that being unbending one thing, but um, <laughs> it was pretty simple for the most part. Okay. Nice. So if you were starting your search over, um, what would you do differently? Uh, I would probably start by, instead of looking for specific recommendations, try to look for more basics. This is my first e-bike and I don't have much experience with them in general. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I would have started by trying to learn more about e-bikes in general and the different options. Um, cause in this one, I ran into a few bikes, um, looked at them specifically and then kind of used that as a jumping off point for learning about the rest. But it meant in my mind, um, I already had an idea of what a bike I was looking at was instead of trying to get a better view and then hone in from there. Um, cause there's a lot more out there, a lot of different components, a lot of different motor types that, uh, um, I wasn't aware of until I'd already had a few brands in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. So do you mean like those first bikes that you looked at kind of like set the stage for what you were looking at in the, the next ones? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to put it. Okay. Did you find any sort of, guides out there that could kind of show you what to look for as someone new to e-bikes? I did. Yeah. Um, especially there were a lot of good people on YouTube who, um, who had just, you know, series and series of videos, uh, that helped me kind of navigate what to look for and, um, learn how exactly they're set up, what components go in, what makes an e-bike different from a normal bike or a moped or a scooter, uh, and so those YouTube videos in particular were probably the most useful thing I saw. Mm -hmm. Did you find anything like that, like on a brand's website? Some, but not a lot. Um, nothing that went as detailed as I would like. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was a lot that gave a base overview, but um, I found that the brands were mostly focused on what they did and not the overarching view. Or if they did, they gave like a really brief sort of like, like an e-bike's uh, um, mid-drive motor is often considered better than a hub drive motor for a lot of things. And so the mid-drive brands will say, you know, in e-bikes, there are these two types of motors and we have the far superior mid-drive motor, but that doesn't really help me as a consumer understand why it's better or what the benefits of the other kind of motors may be. Um, it just sounds like kind of marketing and trying to boost themselves. Right. I, I mean, I get that part that they would want to do that. Oh, I do too. It makes sense to me. But would that, if they had given like a better overview on both sides, would that have like changed your perception of the brand? I think it would have. Yeah. It, um, you know, I'm no expert, so, uh, I can't tell when they're being 100% even on both ends. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can definitely tell when they're being a little overly biased, um, and just being a hundred percent that their version, that whatever they're using is better. And there's no reason you should ever use the alternative. Um, I like to have even just one sentence saying this kind of thing um, works in these situations, but our motor is superior for all of this stuff. So that's why we're trying to sell it to you. Mm -hmm. 
So what is, how does that affect your perception of the brand when you come across that sort of? It, um, it makes them feel a little less trustworthy and it makes me a lot less likely to look into their own material. So at that point, I'm probably going to go try to find a more independent reviewer of that brand if I'm still interested in their bike, mm -hmm. um, which I did a few times, and then look at an independent website instead of what they have to offer me. Okay. And did you do that along the way? I did, yeah, probably with six or seven bikes, really. <clears throat> so what were the, I guess, what were the top three that you were choosing from in the end? So there was, there was the juice that I got, obviously. Um, there was one that was being sold on Costco next, which I still don't entirely understand how it's different from Costco, but, um, and that was the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, heard I, of that. <laughs> I'm not sure it's all connected, but, um, uh, the priority current, I believe is what it was called. Mm -hmm. Um, and that one really caught my attention. That was probably the second place, the runner up bike. What and then I, attention on that one. Um, that one did have things like the hub drive motor. That one in particular, though, coming from Costco, I know And the next thing, whatever it is, has their same return policy. Mm -hmm. So I knew if I didn't like it, I could return it. Um, and then Costco makes it look like a great deal because it has always some sort of discount off of um, what you'd assume MSRP is like if you buy it from priority. Uh, so in my head, you know, I see that discount. Um, whether it's a great deal to me for what I need or not, the discount feels nice. Yeah. So that definitely boosted it up. Um, and then the third one's where I was looking at the event and pace line, um, but didn't get quite as in-depth with them. Why'd you choose that one? Or why were you that one in the running? It was one of the most recommended online for an entry-level e-bike for my price range. Um, and it seemed like they, they have a lot of dealers. So they had a dealer in my area, mm -hmm. um, which meant that if something went wrong, I had a better recourse in going and, and getting some help on the bike. Whereas Costco, I wasn't sure. And then I knew juiced if something went wrong, it was going to be weeks of customer service, probably online. So did you think to go to try the Aviton like locally just to give it a, like a test run? I did. Um, I didn't get a ton of time to go. And uh, there, the biggest issue there was that um, it just didn't have the range I wanted. I couldn't affordably get the range on their bikes. Okay. Um, and sometimes I feel bad going to, and I also don't want to waste my own time going to a store and taking a test ride on something that I've mostly decided I'm not going to get. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So um, where's your next big trip to? On the bike? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. I mean, I'd love to take it down to, to Denver at some point because I'm in the suburbs, um, take it into the city, which can be a 40 mile round trip pretty easily, which is great for me. Um, I'll continue taking it to work. I'll continue going to the gym. It's actually snowing as we're speaking in really? kind of mid to late May. So there's <laughs> a couple inches of snow on the ground. So the, the next trip might wait until Monday. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, pretty late in the spring for snow. Yeah, it's Colorado. It does that. It's a weird place. Um, but I did get to ride it this morning when it was raining, not snowing, uh, just on short little trips. So, um, yeah, probably looking forward to taking it down to Denver, checking out some parks out there. Uh, I have some work volleyball games to go to. So I think at some point I'm going to try to make a day out of it and uh, go ride down to town. Okay, and that's the show. This podcast is brought to you by Elevated Commerce. If you want to learn more, head over to elevated-commerce.com. 
and you can stick around for the next 10 minutes if you want to listen to the rest of Rob's interview. Have a good one. Very interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it can be kind of scary stuff. That, that Micah Toll book is not a long read. Um, well, yeah. Oh, geez. Um, let me look this up for you really fast. It's just something like DIY. Um, yep. DIY lithium batteries, how to build your own battery packs. Okay. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of resources out there, but um, he kind of underscores um, some of the things that can go wrong as you start assembling one of these battery packs. So I was, I originally picked up the book thinking I might build a pack. And I think down the road, I still might, but I would need a piece of equipment or two to do it. Um, but what kind of blew my mind was some of the things he mentioned about the construction of the cells inside. Um, and some of the things that a reputable maker will do or what, what a person who's building their own cell and doesn't want to burn their house down <laughs> will do with that battery pack uh, versus what some, some uh, churn amount manufacturer might do. Um, so that really turned me on to, since, since I've seen enough sort of cheap building, elect, cheaply built electronics firsthand, I started thinking about how that might impact a battery constructed under similar economic constraints and decided I might want to be a little more safe. Yeah. I think a lot of people with e-bikes get real after they, they get into it, they start realizing, Hey, I'm, I'm basically, you know, riding around with this bomb on the back of my bike. <laughs> they get, they get a little bit more concerned about, you know, where they charge it and, and how they charge it and who made the cells and all this kind of really tweaky rabbit hole stuff. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, it's fascinating. All right. That was a really good conversation. Oh, I'm glad. I, I hope it was helpful. So you guys are doing a podcast. It's about e-commerce. That's interesting. Yeah. So basically, we wanted to <clears throat> look at the marketing aspects and of e-commerce from the perspective of the customer rather than the founders. Nice. So that's why we got you, as you mentioned, the Lily consumer. <laughs> To come here and share your story. Um, one thing I will mention that's been kind of frustrating to me too, because I, I figured that might be kind of your angle, is that the information on this stuff is really sketchy. Like you, it feels like when you go look at turnkey bikes, like you know, ready-made stuff, even from a reputable established manufacturer, there's never really that much technical information about the bike. Mm -hmm. You might get a wattage, you might get some, if they're really, you know, savvy, they might tell you, oh yeah, we put Samsung cells in this thing or whatever, but you don't really get that much information. And then when you start looking into DIYing or maybe like improving on an existing off the shelf bike, this stuff kind of all comes from places where maybe English is not the first language and you don't always have the information you would like to have. Right. So it's, it's. It is a pretty interesting and frustrating area, especially for somebody like me who's a more of a, a specs-based consumer. Like I want more info than I can get. And you really kind of have to go digging through the experiences of people who have done this a lot. And sometimes you know, I, I've run into some YouTube channels of people who claim they're professional bike e-bike builders. And I watch a few video and I'm like, videos and I'm like, this person has no freaking clue what they're talking about. <laughs> so it's, it's been kind of a frustrating journey. I think this first bike will be very educational. And I 
ultimately decided, look, I don't want to cheap out on this. I don't want to go as expensive as I can either, but let's find a vendor that's in the middle and seems to uh, have a lot of good references. But even then I was, I'm not super happy with their website. I'm not super happy with how they have explained their product. And um, I think there's a lot of room for improvement, especially in the DIY side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to blather on even further there. No, that was perfect. That's <laughs> what we're here for. Yeah, I kind of thought. Um, so you were called what? The Real Heroes of E-Commerce. The Real Heroes of E-Commerce. I'm going to look you up. I'm going to check out what you're doing. How many episodes in are you? <clears throat> you are number four. Oh, wow. This is exciting. So, yeah, I mean, it, even on this episode, I kind of changed up the format of the first three. So this one's actually more conversational and less trying to talk about marketing related aspects. Have you heard from very many people off of uh, the subreddit? Uh, two others. That should be enough to kind of, well, I'm sure you probably want five to 10 perspectives, I'm going to guess, but um, well, yeah, that I, should be enough to do something interesting. Yeah. It just two or three is, is really does kind of spark a lot of inspiration for these brands like East bicycling or e-bikling <laughs> it's it's like a creature that's an e-bike it's like a little tiny e-bike it matches my folding bike fine yeah so yeah so when they when they hear something like this they're going to be like oh well let's see what information's on our website that you know this guy was talking about uh they're they probably know what's going on they, i i do find that a lot of these vendors just they're they're doing things a different way they're almost kind of relying on that that forum word of mouth more than anything else. And e-bikeling has been around as far as I can tell for 15 years. Oh. Um, so they've had plenty of time to improve their, their web presence <laughs> if they would have so desired. I think they're, they're just, they're doing fine without having to change anything. So um, you'd be surprised. I talked to a lot of these companies and, and half of them are happy and half of them are completely desperate. Hmm. If, if you want to know the, the number, or I'll just ask you to see if you can figure it out. Do you know how many e-bike companies there are in the world right now? Uh, okay, so are we talking like companies making just e-bikes or like e-bike motors or like what? Not, not the motors and battery manufacturers, but the e-bikes. E yeah. Oh man, I'd have to, I'd guess like three or 400. Oh, okay. That's more than, it's 336. Oh, wow. That's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, right there. Because I, uh, when I started looking into this and, and doing my research, I'm targeted all the time by so many different brands from so many different places. And I just kept thinking, how are there so many brands out it's, there? It's completely insane. And you've got <clears throat> so many different market segments. So you've got the whole like Amazon, let's sell this thing for six, 700 bucks as cheaply as we possibly can segment. Mm -hmm. That's the Costco segment and the Sam's club segment are right around that neighborhood. Um, so they, you know, if I was going to buy in that segment, I would probably want to buy from one of those vendors because if it blows up, I want to get my money back. I don't know if I'll be able to find the Amazon company in a year. Right. Um, but then it goes kind of straight up into the, the direct sellers. Um, and that tends to be around a thousand to 2000. That's your, your electrics and mm -hmm. your rad powers and all that. And then you go into the established bike manufacturers, yeah, your giants and your specialized and your surleys. And these are all beautiful bikes. <laughs> oh, they're, they're absolutely beautiful. But I mean, this is the other thing, right? That conversion kit, even with that pretty nice and, um, you know, 
definitely expensive battery. That conversion kit cost me $700 with tax, with shipping, with everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the cheap quote unquote functional e-bikes are around a thousand. I'm still going to get sneered at on most forums with electric because they're, they're thinking that's just a crap bike with, you know, some off the shelf parts on it. Mm-hmm. And then once you start getting into these specialized bikes, they, as far as I can tell, they're taking like a, a bike they would normally sell for a thousand dollars or $1,500. They're, they're making some bigger cavities for batteries and a, maybe a mid drive motor. And they're asking like $6,000 for it. it, it it's, just nuts because those parts do not cost $4,500. You know, I know part of the game is just, you know, you're trying to make some additional margin, but I just can't believe how much some of these things are running for. And I think there's going to be a big shakeout because there's, you know, there's people that want that nice $3,000, $4,000 e-bike, but there are a lot of choices at that price point. I I don't know how you can keep those all in production. I, I think they're all trying to race to see who can get a slice of the market. Because Quite there's possibly. no way it can sustain 300 brands. No, but I mean, you, it's it's like everything else now. There's, I, I think there's that stratification in so many markets. There's the established brands trying to hold on with that higher price point and higher margin as long as they possibly can, maybe with some success. And then you've got all of these fly-by-night names kind of at the bottom. And then some interesting new players in the middle that are kind of trying to build a reputation at the same time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think some of those, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how the, the higher end of the market, especially shakes out. Yeah. I've noticed that, uh, you know, if you want like a family cargo e-bike from a reputable brand, um, it seems like the price is starting to come down a little bit because they were on, godly expensive like six nine thousand dollars ten thousand sometimes a lot of the european brands are just nuts and i i have seen just recently a couple of you know reputable makes that are that are trying to bring out family friendly cargo bikes for like three or four thousand which is still a lot of money but you know it's a lot more doable than ten grand so Uh, yeah good stuff anyway sorry it is fascinating. And, and are you a, a business major then? Uh, like, what was your, what's your background? I am an e-commerce consultant. E-commerce consultant. I, I help all those mid-market brands that we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Out. Those are the ones that are really trying to, trying to get that presence going and make it, make it look great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this sounds super fascinating, Jason. Thanks for, for talking with me. I'll check out your podcast. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining. Okay. Good luck. Bye. Have a good one.